0: we prepare for uh, the scripture uh, the sermon that pastor keith is going to come the preparation the foundations upon which we stand comes from james chapter 2 verses 14 uh, through 26 so please uh, hear with your ears and your eyes uh, the word that god gives us today what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds can such faith save them So, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If any one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accomplished by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have your faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder, you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did and when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let us pray. Lord our God, as we prepare to hear this anthem, as we prepare to participate, In this sermon, we ask your blessing upon our ears that not only do they hear beautiful melodies and the words well crafted together by our pastor, but that we hear you, we seek you, and we endeavor to live with you by that which we believe and that which we do. Amen. It's so good to be here with you guys this morning. You know,
1: God is good, and I love the book of James. I love reading it more and more because I've been thinking about it lately. With regards to the fact that James was Jesus' little brother, and the words that we hear from James come from a person who knew Jesus in a way uh, that nobody else really in the Bible knew him, because he knew him from the from the beginning, at least from the beginning of his own life, and grew up and got to see everything about Jesus played out in his home, and learned so much. I'm sure from the Lord. So when we come to James chapter 1, which we did, we've been in for the past few weeks, remember the main message of James 1 was a Christian endures great trials uh, and struggles. A Christian perseveres. Well, as we move into chapter 2, what we're going to learn is this. We're going to learn that saving faith or living faith works. So we have to ask ourselves the question, though, what is faith? When James talks about this, what is, what, is the, what is faith all about? Now, James is not a person who is a, a legalist, someone who is really hung up on all of the rules and laws associated with religion or with Judaism or Christianity even. If you remember the, the uh, controversy that was brewing in the early church about whether Gentile Christians should be made to follow all the Jewish laws... Uh, James was the one who said, all right, I've heard all the arguments and I've decided that that we're going to write to the brothers and sisters scattered across the the region that they should abstain from meat, uh, sacrifice to idols, from blood and from sexual immorality. And he says, you would do well to avoid these things. The end. So he wasn't like, all right, it's got to be this, you know, in-depth, intricate system of religion that you have to follow. What James wanted to point everyone toward and what the early apostles wanted to point everyone toward was a living faith in Jesus. But not just a faith in terms of a belief, a faith in terms of a life-transforming experience. You see, according to James and others like him, belief is not enough. Now, most people would say that they have a belief in God. Ninety-some percent of people who are asked say they believe in God, but certainly not 90% of people claim to have a, a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ, especially in our, in our community. Uh, Pastor Mike's been talking about this for a long time, and I saw something on, on Facebook about it last week that Cedar Rapids is like the 97th most city, or city where a person would be likely to believe in God. 97th. We're one of the most. They surveyed 100 cities, and Cedar Rapids was ninety seventh in terms of, of, of people with active living faith that proclaimed that for themselves. So certainly we live in a community where even though people would still claim to have a belief in God, there's not a lot of faith in God. So what does that mean? What is faith? Now, a couple scriptures that are going to define faith for us. The first one's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and and the writer of Hebrews says this now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see and and i like that to have faith means that you you don't see something but you have a a strong belief and assurance of it anyway and also in Hebrews chapter 6 we read without faith is it, it is impossible to please god now these verses alone should show us that following jesus is a lot more than just simply the way that you live your life it's not just the things that you do that matter according to the bible it all begins with this faith in god that changes everything and of course uh if you read the gospels you see that faith and lack of faith are the only things that ever ever amaze jesus if you ever notice that when you read the Bible and it'll say, and Jesus was amazed by their faith? He was always talking about people who, by their, by their upbringing and their, their cultural standards, shouldn't have faith. They weren't raised in a religious home, they weren't from the line of the Jews, they didn't know about God, but they had this faith in Jesus and it amazed him. Consequently, there were plenty of people who had God all around them and had grown up in homes where they were taught the scriptures, and yet. God had done so much for them, and they had no faith. Jesus was amazed at the lack of faith that certain people had and the amount of faith that others had. And then, of course, in, from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, the Old Testament writer says that the just shall live by faith. Now, let's talk about faith for a second, because in James' context, faith is all about a person. Faith is all about God. And I want to point you with this idea of faith, according to James, toward God. Because that's the key. Now, a lot of people think about faith and they think about, well, I have to have all kinds of faith in God. And many of you perhaps have been in situations in your life where you felt like I really need a lot of faith to just move forward here. We've tried everything else and and nothing's worked, but I just have to have faith and a lot of it. So we try to muster up our faith. Have you ever felt like you didn't have enough faith? You, could, you can you could admit that. I certainly have and do. A lot of times in life when there's a big task to be accomplished or a big challenge that we're enduring or something that's challenging that's happening around me, a lot of times I've, I wish I had more faith and I'm reminded of that verse where Peter says to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. You know, there seems to have this, this desire that we have to try to get more faith. But do you want to know what Jesus says about that? Jesus says it's not about the amount of faith that you have that's that's not what matters the amount of faith rather what jesus says it's the kind of faith that matters not the amount it's the kind and look at what his words are in matthew 17 20 he says truly i tell you if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move nothing will be impossible for you now doesn't that freak you out when you hear that verse I mean, have you ever had just a small amount of faith even? And, 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 and you'd say, well, why didn't what I want to have happened happen? I, I tried to have faith. Jesus says it's not about the amount. It's about the kind. And when you have the right kind of faith, all you need is the smallest imperceptible amount. And mountains can move. And I have this like jar of this um, like super crazy hot, hot sauce from, like, Laos. It isn't like, I mean, and it says on, you know, it's got those warnings on it, super hot, you know. And you've all experienced stuff like that probably and and everything. And, I, you know, I like spicy food and and I have some friends that do. And a a few weeks ago, there were some people over at my house and we were making some stuff and and I pulled this stuff out and I'm like, now, if you really want to get crazy, you got to try some of this. And uh, little Lisa Morgan was over at my house that day. She's like, I can take it. And uh, I said, are you Sure. You know, I, I see where she gets kind of some of her spunk, right? She says, I can take that. So I said, okay, well, just, I said, Lisa, just take a, just a smallest little bit. I just put a little bit on a spoon. I mean, just barely enough so that you could see. And she touched that to her tongue. And within about 15 seconds, everyone's watching, of course, she start, her eyes start watering and she starts to sweat. And, and she was down in milk in about a minute. You know, it was, that stuff's hot. You don't need tons of it, right? You don't need a lot of the right kind of stuff. See, that's what Jesus says that faith's about. He says, if you have the right kind of faith, then all you have to have is a little bit and your life will change. Remember, what James is talking about is a life that's changed. He's talking about faith that has deeds attached to it, that has works attached to it. And what he's saying is really, there are two kinds of faith. There are living faith and there is dead faith. And James tells us that living faith is the kind of faith that produces works. Now, works are not to be confused with what I'm going to refer to today as hollow religious moralism. Okay? Now, what do I mean by hollow religious moralism? Here's what I mean by hollow religious moralism. I mean works where we just sort of go through the motions of being nice, good, Christian people, we get up, we come to church, we sing the songs, we say the creed, we we do the things that we're supposed to do to be good, nice people because that's just what we're supposed to do. But there's no real reason why that we can get to other than because we just want, you know, to be good people. And maybe if we are, God will throw us a little blessing. Okay? That's not the kind of works that James is talking about, by the way. That's the kind of works that result from dead faith. Now, what James is saying is that the the, the works that he speaks about are the fruit, the result of a transforming relationship with Jesus. So ultimately what he's saying is that if you really have living faith in Jesus, your life will change. Your life will change. It's not a question of whether it will change. It's it's, It's not a question at all. If you have a life-transforming relationship with Jesus, if you have living faith, then your life will change. Now, the problem is, sometimes our faith isn't living. Sometimes our faith is dead. And that's what James says. Now, what makes faith dead? Well, just like we learned from Jesus, the object of it, first and foremost, makes your faith dead. The object... You see, this is important for us to realize because one of the ways that the modern American church has distorted the gospel is to say that faith in Jesus is about you. That it's about God affirming you just the way you are and that God's here to make you feel good about yourself. And the answer to to all of our problems really is to have better self-esteem and and better self-confidence and that God's here because he's here for you and and, and he wants to, to, to make you feel great about yourself. But the mark of living faith, however, is not that you feel better about yourself just the way you are but rather that you recognize that God is at work in conforming you to the image of Christ just the way you are. You see, God hasn't called you just to be the way you are. Did you know that? Now, God loves you just the way you are. But some people say, I thank God that he's working on me. Because I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror, and I'm like, I'm a fixer-upper, you know? I mean, I need God to work on me. If this was it, I'd, I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll just stay home. But God's at work in me. Now, here's the great thing, is that we recognize that, you know, as we fall into this relationship with Jesus, that we're there because of his grace, that we're there because he loves us. But we can never for a moment believe that it's all centered on us. And that's kind of one of the ideas. So the object of our faith sometimes becomes ourselves. Now, it's not hard to understand how this works because oftentimes we think that we have to work hard to become good enough for Jesus. So I often hear people say things like, well, I can't go to church just because I'm not good enough. You know, I had a friend like that when I was living in Philadelphia who, who would ask me about church all the time. But he'd never come with me. I said, dude, why don't you just come sometime? You know, he always asked me about it every single week. Let's just go. Oh, no way, Keith. If I walked in that church, the place would fall down. Lightning would strike me because I walked in the door because church is on Sunday morning and you know what I do on Saturday nights. You know, it's like, wow. Sometimes we get it so backwards and we think that we have to have faith in ourselves so that we can become good enough to please God. It doesn't work that way, does it? Now, on the other side of the spectrum, you have people who, who, you know, believe that because they are, in their own opinion, good enough, they don't need God. They're better than all the hypocrites sitting in church anyway, right? I mean, they've already got the the morality down. They've already got the generosity down. They've already got the kindness down. They've already got the you know being good down. So in their opinion, why do I need church? I don't need that crutch. I don't need that, you know, to fall back on. I don't need some organized religion telling me what to do. Remember, 90% of people think that they're they have a belief in God. I've always marveled that people who say, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I, I just don't like organized religion. What kind of disorganized religious system would attract them? Maybe we should start a, a church service, Pastor Mike, for disorgan we'll call it disorganized religion. And you just come in here and just do whatever you want, right? And we'll bless you and you can go home. I wonder if that'd be a big service maybe, right? All the, all the people who don't like organized religion, they want to disorganize for some reason. See, one of the problems that we can have is that we can believe this idea that Christianity is all about this, you know, chart of behavior. And if you've already got the behavior and the chart, you got your little gold star that you put there yourself, then you don't need church. And others think if they don't have any gold stars, they can't get in the door. You see how we get locked into this weird place in our society? And it's because the object of our faith has been ourselves, one way or another there are some who, who avoid Jesus because they're ashamed, and there are others who avoid Jesus because they don't think they need him. They've avoided sin, so therefore they think they can avoid Jesus. So, our ability to, avo- to, to be good apart from God's grace, and our ability to avoid sin, that's a, that's a dead faith right there. Sometimes we, we can have dead faith when we put our faith in our religious performance, Right? Well, I've been confirmed. I've been baptized. I went to a Sunday school class. I gave to the Build campaign. I volunteered to do this. I made a sandwich in the basement. I did my church stuff, right? That's got to count for something. I I was on a committee, and I cleaned up at the fall cleanup day. That's got to count for something. God, look at what I did. We put our faith there in what we've done for God, so to speak, and we think that should count for something. Dead faith. Sometimes we put our faith in the people we surround ourselves with, you know, I used to have a friend who would who'd be like, Pastor Keith, I just got to get around. I got to come to church. I got to get around you and, and your friends because you guys are tight with Jesus and my business is going really bad. So maybe if I get around you, you know, to rub off on. I'm sitting here. Well, are you crazy? <clears throat> you don't catch your faith from someone brushing up against you. You don't get it from your parents. You don't get it from your neighbors. You don't get it from your friends. Jesus said, flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual thing. But if you put your faith in the fact that, well, you know, my, I'm not real religious, but my wife drags me to church once in a while, so that's got to count for something, or my husband, or my girlfriend, or boyfriend, or my parents, or whatever. That's nothing. That's dead faith. Your faith can't be in the people you surround yourself, and it certainly can't be in your knowledge. I mean, there's a lot of smart people with dead faith, right? Maybe if I just read another book or, or take another class, then I'll be able to, to, to muster up change in my life. You know, you can't put your faith in what you know. We can't do it in, in, our, in, our, in our Christianity. We can't do it in science. We can't do it in anything. Because if all, if all we ever get is as far as what we know in our brains, James says your faith is dead. And you certainly can't put your faith in your good intentions, can you? Oh, I'm really going to try hard this year, Pastor Keith I really want to I really want to think about Perhaps considering doing a little bit better Maybe So I'm going to try For a little bit Until it starts to not feel good We all got good intentions, don't we? Man, I know I got my share of good intentions I got plenty of good intentions Of things I want to do this year That I'll probably never get to do You know? I have things that I've said, oh, I need to improve in this that I haven't improved in that. I got things, oh, I got to fix that that I haven't fixed. I got things, oh, I got to quit doing that I haven't quit doing. You know, I got good intentions. That's where my faith is, right? Boy, that's dead. I ain't going to accomplish anything. Now, let's talk about living faith for a moment. What makes faith living? First and foremost, it's the same thing, the object of it. The object of your faith is what makes it living. Not how much of it you have, or how you can do whatever you can do. The object of your faith, first and foremost, is where it all begins. And the object of your faith must be in Jesus. Jesus has to be the object of our faith. That's what he meant when he said, if you just say to this mountain, move, if all you have is the smallest amount of faith in me, Jesus was saying, then it'll happen. you have faith in Jesus? Do you trust him? Do you believe he is who he says he is? Do you believe he rose from the dead? Do you believe that he has a plan for your life? Do you believe that he loves you? You have to have faith in the love of God. That's what makes your faith alive, the love of God. When you put your faith in God's love for you, you can endure those trials, and you'll see your life begin to change. You'll see those things that you've wrestled with and struggled with begin to improve. You'll see those things around you start to make sense in a different way when you recognize and put your faith in God's love. And not just his love, but in his plan. See, God has a plan for the universe, and you're a part of that plan. And you gotta put your faith in his plan. Not your plan, not my plan, his plan. See, when I put my faith in my plan... (laughs) dead faith right because my plan is pretty skewed isn't it so is yours but when you put your faith in God's plan and the love of God and in Jesus then you know that it's going to work out lastly living faith is a faith on the word of God it's a faith on the word of God do you believe in the Word of God? Do you put your faith in it and trust in it? This is what makes living faith. Now, I want to stress again that your belief is not your faith. You might believe everything I just put up there. And so I believe in Jesus. I believe in the love of God. I believe that God has a plan for the universe. I believe the Word of God. But remember, faith is not belief, is it? Even the demons believe and shudder. I pointed over here at these two, not because they're demons, but because Mike read that scripture, Okay. That'd look weird on the video. Even the demons believe. <laughs> Think about that scripture. Isn't that, isn't that scripture just kind of haunting? Even the demons believe. The demons have more belief in Jesus than you ever will. And they shudder. See, so your belief is not enough. Belief is about the mind. Faith is about trust. And about Obedience. Your level of obedience is so connected to your faith. And that's what James is really saying here, you guys. He's saying, look, you can talk the talk. You can act big and tough when it comes to to, to everything there is. But if you don't have a life of obedience to Christ, which is about what you do, then don't say you have faith. Because the kind of faith that I'm talking about, the faith in my, in my big brother Jesus, James would say, that kind of faith is powerful. That kind of faith, you just need even a little bit of it. It's so powerful, it will transform you from the inside out. It has to. And if it hasn't, then you ain't got it. Oh, but I got this, I got this. Don't tell me you've got it. If your life hasn't changed, then you don't. Because this stuff is so powerful that it can't help but change you well, maybe I just have something else. See, it's certainly possible that you do. Some people have belief, but they have dead faith. They believe in Jesus, but their faith's still in themselves, and that leads to legalism or moralism, believing that Christianity is just about a list of rules and rights and wrongs and behaviors. So I believe in God, but I still recognize that ultimately my faith's in myself and my ability to be a good Christian. Are you still believing that, you guys? Are you still living in that world where you think that if you believe in Jesus with your mind, but then you take over the reins, and, and if I can just be good enough, then I got the whole package. It's not what Jesus is saying. It's not what James is saying. That's belief accompanied by dead faith. Or you can also have no faith and no belief, which results in just sort of moralism, and, or not moralism, relativism, where you just do whatever you want and think whatever you want and just flow with whatever trend is flowing and believe whatever's out there and however you feel is however you live. Some people live like that, don't they? Or you can have believing and living faith, which leads to a gospel-transformed life. That last verse that Mike read was verse 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So you need your mind and your spirit to catch up to your body. Many of us come to church week after week and we sit here with our bodies, but our spirits are far away. I, that's, that was my life growing up. Went to church, you know, as often as I was made to by my dad, the pastor. And I'd sit there, and I'd kind of, all right, I get it, listen, but man, you know what? My spirit, my my soul was somewhere far, far away. Thinking about music or thinking about whatever. I walk out, and there was no real difference in my life because of this faith that I supposedly had in God. Many of you know what I'm talking about because many of you have experienced that. James is saying, step out of that, let your spirit accompany what your body is doing. So the answer is not to try harder with your your flesh. The answer is to bring your spirit on board with what your body is already doing. So join your spirit to God's spirit and things will change. More importantly, you will change. I will change. Now what is true for an individual is also true for a church. And we can have the greatest mission statement in the universe. We can have awesome staff. We can have awesome programs. And we can even someday build a great, awesome new facility. If that's not accompanied by a faith in Jesus, then who cares? There's already big churches out there. The answer is not another one. The answer is faith in Jesus. The right kind of faith which leads to the right kind of church. And I would say we need more of those. Amen? And I thank God every single day that that's what we are endeavoring to become here at First United Methodist Church. We are not content with dead faith, dead church. Which is amazing to me when I bring my friends here or talk about this church. Because downtown, hundred and some year old denominational churches typically aren't the waving the banner of alive, active faith churches anymore if you haven't noticed. But this one is. I, I had some friends here from the Quad Cities who are, are planting a church. And these guys are like really heavy into like, you know, uh, the cultural stuff and, and, and really deep kinds of theology and stuff like that. I mean, you'd never catch those guys in a church like this on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> and we were walking around. I was showing them all the things that were happening in the church. And, you know, showing them what we were doing with Fly and some of the other things that are happening and all the, the ministries and different things. And then talking about our, the way that we were preaching through things. And they just said, wow. What an amazing thing to be part of a church that does so much for its city. What what an active and alive group. And I thought, that's right. That's why we do what we do. That's why we preach the way we preach. Did I read any poems this morning? Did I tell you any cute little stories? Did I make you laugh? I don't know. You might just laugh at me. That's fine. You can do that all you want. Our goal is not to craft some sort of you know feel-good advice message that you walk out and go, ah, I just feel so good enough for life today. Nothing can stop me. That's not what I want you to feel. Now, maybe you do need to feel that way. Maybe you've been beat down by the world and your trials have been overtaking you and you need to know that God's Spirit has a plan for you and that His love for you is so strong and that just like what Mike said a couple weeks ago, that you're doing better than you think you are. Some of you may need to hear that. But some of you may need to hear, wake up. Stop putting your faith in hollow religious moralism. Stop putting your faith in a membership someplace. Stop putting your faith in your knowledge. Stop putting your faith in your ability to do good things or not do bad things. Stop that. Don't feel good about yourself. Feel good about Jesus. That's what some of you need to hear. That's what I need to hear. See, the fact is this. James knows. He knows what we need to hear. And so does God. If you have that living faith in jesus your life will change and if it's not changing right now maybe it's time for your faith to be resuscitated maybe it's time for it to be refocused i know it needs to be for me sometimes so will you join me in this prayer and i would invite you right now just to engage your spirit with your body just just make your body into a posture of prayer somehow. It's not about a right or wrong way to pray, but just prepare your soul. Just bow your heads and close your eyes and just in your heart of hearts, engage the spirit of the living God, dear Jesus. I don't wanna have dead faith. We don't wanna have dead faith. We wanna be alive in you. We wanna put our whole trust in you and not in ourselves. We want our lives to transform, to change, so that this world could be transformed. Lord, forgive us for ever believing that what we could do would somehow make us worthy to follow you, God. You have made us worthy by your great gift, that grace that is given to us. God, may we encounter you today so that we might be changed so that our faith would not be dead without works or evidence but Lord, let that evidence let that result, let that fruit spill out of us to our families, to our schools to our community, to our workplaces to the ends of the earth that this world might be changed by the gospel of Jesus and Lord, it's in Jesus that we put our trust and faith Lord, it's in Jesus that we cling to in times of trial and persecution. Lord, it's in Jesus that we submit all of our lives. In his mighty name we pray, amen.